This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Is the Dan Grosser Show. Do I think the Jets need Dalvin Cook? No. I haven't felt that way from the get-go. I think they'll be fine without Dalvin Cook. Will he help? Yeah, you're damn right he'd help. Because what it allows the Jets to do is that they could be even more cautious with getting Brees Hall back in there. And even if he is ready to rock and roll game one against the Buffalo Bills, he's in uniform, they can at least limit his snaps. You know, he doesn't have to go out there and get 20 touches a game or whatever it is. Because if you have a guy who also deserves a lot of the carries and a lot of the touches because he can make plays like Dalvin Cook, you, you bring Brees along slowly. So Cook will be a nice, valuable addition, but is it a necessity? No, I think Dalvin Cook to the Jets is more of a luxury. This is the Dan Grosser Show. On 98.7 ESPN. The show. Oh, yeah. Flying on by in this Monday. Hope everybody's having a good one. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. We're taking it for another 60 right up until the top of the hour. We'll hand things over to Gordon and Larry, the dynamic duo, who will take it the rest of the night. We will be here, back at our home for the rest of the week from 7 to 10. Good to be back. Except for Thursday. Remember, we got Jet football Thursday night, Jets and Browns. Game one, the Hall of Fame game. No Mets tonight. They are off. They'll begin a series in Kansas City starting tomorrow evening. Question is, which of the guys that got on the plane with the Mets will actually be in Met uniforms when that game gets underway? Trade deadline, of course, tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Mets made a move earlier this afternoon. Mark Hanna. Sent to the Milwaukee Brewers for a minor league pitcher. Who will be next? Will it be Verlander? Will it be Pham? You're reading a lot of these reports and rumblings that the talks have been heating up between uh, the Astros and the Mets potentially. The Dodgers could have interest in Verlander. A lot of money, of course, is going to have to be exchanging hands here. And just how much Steve Cohen is willing to pick up, that'll probably dictate the return that the Mets get if they decide to move the future Hall of Famer and really thin out that rotation or a potential rotation for 2024. I mean, I know, look, as far as the free agent pitching market is concerned next year, starters, I mean, obviously Shohei Otani, but I've always had my doubts about him coming here. I don't think he's leaving the West Coast. Julio Urias from the Dodgers, the lefty with the, the goggles, he's a free agent. Aaron Nola from the Phillies is a free agent. Blake Snell from the Padres. None of those guys really kind of float my boat and say, that's who you got to get. But Kodai Seng is coming back. He's going to be the only constant, right? And then who else do you have? That's where they have to be creative because whether or not the Mets think that they're going to contend or not in 2024, you still have to round out a team, right? You still got to find a way to put five guys out there to be able to handle the starting pitching for you through a long 162-game season. So we'll see what the Mets do here over the next 24 hours or a little less than 24 hours. Yankees, on the other hand, they're playing tonight. And a uh, different day, but the same old story. They're losing the Rays right now 5-1 to one, as Tampa bats in the top half of the eighth inning. So far, the home run ball has been the offense in this entire game. Tampa's hit four of them, and the Yankees have hit just the one there. Jake Bowers, a solo shot in the second inning. Otherwise, it's been four dingers for the visitors. And and the thing that we need to get to the bottom of with a storyline for tonight's game is, surrounds Domingo Herman because he was supposed to start tonight originally. Then we find out late this afternoon that he's dealing with a sore armpit. True story. 
And he didn't start the game. Instead, it was Johnny Brito who started. And Johnny Brito essentially went up there and threw batting practice to Tampa Bay. But then magically somehow, Domingo Herman, the armpit was cured, and he started the fifth inning tonight. And the shame of it is, I guess, for the Yankees, is that Domingo Herman has actually pitched pretty well in this game, like all kidding aside. He's only given up one lousy hit in close to four innings of work, hasn't given up a run. So who knows, if Domingo Herman actually started the game, maybe the Yankees are winning this game one nothing. Who knows? But I'm really, really curious to, the, to get the explanation from the manager after the game as to why Herman couldn't start, but he was okay to come in the fifth inning. You know, there have been some rumblings and stuff that maybe Herman's name was the center of trade talks and he was going to be part of a deal that fell through. I, 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 I don't buy it. I don't. Who wants Domingo Herman? No team that has eyes on contending is going to look to Domingo Herman and say, that's the guy that we want, right? I mean, the Yankees are trying to contend. If Domingo Herman ain't helping them, why the hell are they going to help somebody else? Hey, nice play by Harrison Bader at the fence. Wouldn't have left the yard, but it was still a nice play anyway. So they go bottom eight now, 5-1 Rays over the New York Yankees. And the Yankees' offense still is just MIA, three hits on the night. Judge back in the lineup, though. You'll be good to know. So I guess the uh, the toe is A-OK tonight. Um, two walks and a strikeout in three plate appearances tonight for Mr. Judge. He's DHing for the New York Yankees. All right, let's get back to the phones here. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. And again, you know, as far as what the Yankee plans are at the deadline, you might as well just stand pat. Yes, you're only three and a half games out. Yes, there's only one team between you and that final playoff spot. But there's other teams in the American League who are already going for it here at the deadline. You have to figure the Angels have increased their chances with the moves they made. The Texas Rangers, even the Toronto Blue Jays, you know, acquiring a guy like Jordan Hicks, who only hits 103 on the radar gun, the closer from the St. Louis Cardinals, that's only going to help their team. So... Does this club, deep down, have what it takes to actually go deep into October? I don't believe so. And Yankee fans who aren't satisfied, unless this team wins a championship, are you really going to be content with this team just making the playoffs? Just finding a way in and then they lose in the first round? Is that going to do anything for you? Are you going to be able to look back on the 2023 Yankees and say, oh yeah, it was a good season because we made the playoffs? The front office might. Ownership might. And that might give them even more incentive to kind of just stick with the status quo and say, yeah, the way that we're doing it right now, it works. Right? We're successful in the regular season. We find a way to win games, to get to the playoffs. You know, we're going to win between 85 and 90 games. We got this thing figured out. The analytics work. The computer works. The data works. Just doesn't work winning a championship, though. We're getting to the World Series. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Steven in Detroit. He is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Steven, how are you? Great, Pat. Great show. It's, uh, it's Dan, but that's oh. okay, Steve. Oh, you're not Pat O'Keefe? Oh, I thought it was... No. I'm sorry. Last, hold on. Let me check. Stand, stand by. Stand by. Oh, no. Hang on. This is terrible. I'm a bad guy, um, aren't I? I'm terrible. No, it says here I'm not. Sorry. No. Grasso. Oh, what a shame. Yeah. Anyways, it's been a great show, Dan. I, I apologize. <laughs> It's okay. Anyways, um, so I'm a huge Yankees fan, and while I love to think that, you know, this organization is World Series or bust, 
if you just look at the, the actions and the words of Brian Cashman and uh, Aaron Boone, they're, they're not, you know, all about championships anymore. And something has changed along the way because, you know, you're chasing a playoff spot right now. And last night, Aaron Judge can't DH. We're, I mean, we're pitching Luis Severino, who's been terrible. You know, at some point, there's got to be a sense of urgency. And they're not even showing it. It just seems like they've got a playoff, you know, uh, a playoff spot locked up. So, uh, you know, unfortunately with this team, even if they were to miss the playoffs, Brian Cashman's not going anywhere. So nope. I don't know what they're going to change or what the philosophy is going to be, but, I mean, maybe... Well, well Steve, Steve, Steve let me ask you a question. Steve, let me ask you a question because you said something interesting. You said the sense of urgency. That phrase alone, given the fact the GM ain't going anywhere, I still don't think deep down the manager is going anywhere. So if that is already in place and you don't have to worry about your job security, where is the sense of urgency lie, you think? That's just it. I don't think there is one. And that's the problem is that there's just this sense of complete impunity where the Yankees and the front office just have free reign to do what they think is best. But when you look at this roster, have they done what's best? I mean, the, the, the roster is aging. There's so many questions up and down the entire roster. So I think that there should be a sense of urgency. And I think that maybe it starts with Hal Steinbrenner, but he's not like his father. We've been, we've been told. Mm-hmm. So I mean, where, where's this team going, this organization long-term? Because it seems like nothing fundamentally is going to change. So when do we just say expectations shouldn't be a World Series because they're not showing it to us? I, I, don't, think they, I don't think they are. And, and, Steve, I thank you for the phone call. I, I don't know how you can look at this thing rationally and say the expectations of the World Series. That, to me, is just lip service. It means absolutely nothing. Nothing. How can you say the expectations of the World Series or it's World Series or bust in the Yankee way and the mantra and all this other stuff when you haven't been there in close to 15 years and really don't show any signs of getting closer, okay? We've talked about this repeatedly, and I don't think Aaron Boone is a bad manager. I don't think Aaron Boone is also the second coming of Miller Huggins either, but he's not an awful manager. But the reality of the situation is this. Aaron Boone took over after the 2017 season because Brian Cashman decided that Joe Girardi was not the right guy for the Yankees anymore, and they moved on from Girardi. Joe Girardi in 2017, when that season started, remember, nobody was thinking the Yankees as presently constituted were a championship team. Instead, they incorporated the youth. Judge had a coming-of-age season, introduced himself to baseball, MVP runner-up, the whole nine yards. They made it to Game 7 of the ALCS against the Houston Astros. Game 7. Then they decided to switch managers, bring in Aaron Boone. Have the Yankees been within one game of the World Series since Aaron Boone took over? And nope. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. They just showed actually on TV Sean Casey in the dugout. Explain to me again what that was all about, too. I'm so confused right now. Like, you forget about that. You you, you legitimately, like, like, with all the other things that have dominated the discussion with the Yankees. Like, the Sean Casey thing almost flies under the radar. Like, you almost forgot about that. Why in God's name did they fire Dylan Lawson? Explain that to me. And what difference has it made? Like, I'm, you know, I'm a cynic, right? I'm not going to look at things necessarily at face value. I'm always going to try to kind of, you know, pick and part and twist and all these other things. I thought that, hey, I saw the Yankees fire their hitting coach while I was on vacation. And then I checked the schedule. Hmm, it's during the All-Star break. 
Where did the Yankees play right out of the All-Star break? Oh, in Colorado. Go figure. Coors Field, the most hitter-friendly ballpark in all of America, in all the land, against the garbage Rockies team. That's like the equivalent of when you call a team meeting before the game on the night that your ace pitcher is going. So everybody can point to like, oh, you see that? That team meeting worked. Or was it because we had our best pitcher going? And more often than not, we're going to win when he's going because he's our guy. It's like, oh, we fired the hitting coach, but we want the new guy to get a lot of credit, not the fact that we're playing the crappy Rockies in Coors Field, which is basically like hitting on the moon, right? And that didn't even work out the way they intended. So what is this organization? What move have they made that they have touched, which has turned to gold over the last several months? Tell me. So, yeah, if you're a little bit skeptical as to whatever they do next, how it's going to backfire on them, you have every right to think that way. Especially about the direction this team is going, because guess what? And if you've listened to me, I've said it repeatedly. Next four or five years, the future of the American League East, you saw them up close and personal this weekend in Baltimore. That is the future. It's not the Yankees. Yankees are tired. Orioles are wired. Okay? And you can't resort either to Tampa Bay and whether you know, the Yankees have this philosophy and they're going to rely on the analytics and all these other things. Well, because Tampa Bay does it a certain way. They rely heavily on the analytics and the data. They don't have to exceed the luxury tax or come even close, but that's Tampa Bay. They got this thing figured out. They wrote the book on it. You're not going to be able to duplicate what they do. So Tampa's their own animal. Baltimore is going to be tripping over themselves with talented young players. Toronto, they're no slouch in terms of guys that they have on that roster and aren't going away anytime soon. Boston is still Boston, and maybe, just maybe, Heim Bloom is going to convince the owners to actually spend money one day like they used to with the Boston Red Sox, and then you got the Yankees. How do they fit in? Instead, the Yankees are just relying on yesteryear and what they used to be and what they used to preach and just, you know rubbing two sticks together and keeping their fingers crossed and closing their eyes and just repeating World Series or bust, World Series or bust, World Series or bust, and then magically they're going to win a World Series again after not sniffing it for 15 years. It's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. 800-919-3776. Grasher Show till the top right here on 9870 ESPN. Great, Pat. Great show. It's, uh, it's Dan, but that's okay, oh. Steve. Oh, not Pat O'Keefe. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN on this Monday evening. We're going to the top of the hour. Yankees are in the ninth inning. They trail the Rays 5-1. to one. It'll be very interesting to hear the comments of the manager after the game. So hopefully, hopefully, it will happen in enough time before we get off the air to be able to react to them. If not, I'm sure that Gordon and Larry will be all over it. They're coming up next. We'll be back with you again tomorrow night at 7, right after TMKS, as per usual. I'll tell you, you know, again, the deadline is tomorrow at 6 o'clock for trades in Major League Baseball. And, you know, the Chicago Cubs are one team that look like they might be sellers as of a couple of weeks ago, but then they went on a crazy eight-game winning streak, and you can forget about that because they're only four games out of first place in a very disappointing, I don't want to say disappointing, it's not as bad as the American League Central, but it's a, you know, a mediocre National League Central. So they still have a shot here. Um, I don't think they'll get there, but it gives them enough reason to hang on to guys like Cody Bellinger. And at one time, it looked like Marcus Stroman would be a guy that would be shopped around because... You know, Stroman had a really, really good first half of the season. He was an all-star, but he's in his walk year. And the Cubs were reluctant and have been reluctant to engage in any contract talks with him. So um, it appeared as if he'd probably be wearing a different uniform at the end of the season. And then a funny thing happened along the way where all of a sudden he just hit a wall. And the last, like, six times out, I mean, Stroman has been very, very hittable. Uh, Looks like a shell of the guy that was pitching like an all-star in the first half of the season. Tonight, they open up a huge series at home against the Cincinnati Reds, who are currently the first-place team in the National League Central. Stroman got the ball, and he couldn't even see the fourth inning tonight. Uh, Gets lit up for six runs in three innings on six hits. So he's got major, major things that he's got to work out right now. And, look, I don't think his trade value is, as much of anything at this point, even if the Cubs want to pivot at the last minute. But they got to figure out, how do you get this guy back on track to even help you for the remainder of the season, no matter where it goes for Chicago here? So that's some of the stuff that's happening out of town. We told you about the Orioles, the mighty Orioles. They got a 4-1 lead in the eighth against the Toronto Blue Jays, opening up a series north of the border. The Red Sox are in Seattle tonight. They're going to get underway in about 15 minutes or so against the M's. Seattle, whose general manager, Jerry Depoto, has never been one that is reluctant to make a trade. The guy wakes up in the morning seeing how he can make a trade. They made a couple of small ones. They um, A.J. Pollock, they moved, you know, like minor, minor trades here for Seattle. And, and, and ones that... Um, in a way, would almost categorize them as sellers more than anything else. They traded uh, their closer, Paul Seawald, to the Arizona Diamondbacks, who needed a, some relief pitching help in the absolute worst way. So Pollock Seawald off the Mariners. I, I, I don't know if he's got another move up his sleeve to be able to give them a better shot of chasing the postseason. And I thought that Seattle kind of should have been a little bit aggressive in trying to get there because remember the Mariners they had the longest postseason drought in North American team sports before last year right they had gone two decades without making the playoffs 2001 was the last time they made the postseason before last year so you finally make the playoffs 
You got the all-star game this year in your city, in your building, trying to capitalize on some of that momentum, that enthusiasm. You know how you do that? You build a consistent winner, right? You stack playoff seasons back to back to back to where, like, the rest of the league and the rest of the sport is looking at you as, oh, you're a winning program. And they're playing all right. I think that they've been inconsistent this year. They're three over 500. They're only five and a half games out of first place in the Western Division there in the American League. But I think they need a little bit more. You know, I, I, I still think they could use another bat, believe it or not. So we'll see what the Poto has up his sleeves between now and 6 o'clock tomorrow. Because, look, if you're holding out hope as far as the Yankees making a push, however ill-fated that might be. I mean, the Yankees right now are only, what, a game ahead of the Seattle Mariners in those wild card standings. Let us say hi to Calvin in Washington Heights, who is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Calvin, how are you? Good evening, Dan. How are you doing today? I just would like to quickly make a few uh, quick pointers. Uh, the, the Yankees don't have a front. I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm just a, a, a legit baseball fan. And the Yankees don't have a top front office. You might have a top player in the league, but you do not have a top front office. Uh, Brian Cashman is not in the elite top five. You know, uh, there's general managers out there that are just much better from Houston, from from Atlanta, from the Dodgers, Andrew Freeman. Andrew Freeman is like Otani. He did it with Tampa Bay. He goes with the Dodgers now with a team that has money. He can make it work however you give it to him. Um, you got Atlanta, Houston. You even have Cleveland, a team that doesn't spend much money, but believe it or not, has even done more than the Yankees. They have made it to the World Series in 2016, and they're always there. They go to the playoffs. And they make it to the playoffs in different teams, like different players. Yes, they have a top player in Jose Ramirez, but the team, the general managers, does the job. The Yankees don't have that. They don't have that front office that is able to produce young talent and or produce pitching. And they don't have a star player besides Judge. Judge is 31. You're going to catch him in his prime the next four years. What's going to happen after that? You don't have these young players that are like a Juan Soto or Ellie De La Cruz or any Franco. You don't you don't have that. Guerrero Jr., you don't have none of that right now. But you know something, though? That's kind of hit or miss a little bit, Calvin, and I hear what you're saying, and I thank you for the phone call because, you know, when you're talking about developing players and young talent, you look at the San Diego Padres for a second. San Diego Padres – had a really, you know, as of like a few years ago, a really, really good farm system with a lot of high-end talent. And along the way, you know what they did? They took that young talent and they decided to trade it off in some instances to go and get some top players. You know, we know about the big Juan Soto trade, for example, that was made last year. You know, they also moved some of those pieces to get some pitching from other clubs out there. Bottom line is, what has that yielded the San Diego Padres, Right? San Diego's one of the bigger disappointments in all of baseball this year. They're under 500. Their payroll was right up there with the Mets and the Yankees. They went all in, and guess what? It's not going to happen for them this year. It's not. So you could talk about these front offices and how brilliant they are and how good of a and, and how creative they are. You know, that's another big word that you hear from time to time. You know, they check all the boxes, so to speak. But do they actually win? Do they have any jewelry to show for it? San Diego doesn't. You know, I mentioned Heim Bloom's name earlier. Heim Bloom is a guy who, because Calvin brought up Andrew Friedman when he was with the Tampa Bay Rays, then on to the Dodgers and whatnot. Heim Bloom was a guy who learned under Andrew Friedman with the Tampa Bay Rays once upon a time. Remember, Heim Bloom was a guy, right? Heim Bloom was one of the finalists 
for the Mets GM job back in, what year was that, 17, 18, or whatever it was, where they ultimately, Jeff Wilpon, decided to give the job to Brody Van Wagenen. But Bloom was one of those guys. And he's a very analytically driven guy, somebody who doesn't operate with a high payroll. So now he goes to the Boston Red Sox. Boston, a big market team, owners who, when given the opportunity, spend tons and tons of money. But Bloom is a guy who told them, you know what, we're going to try to do this thing a little bit of a different way. And the Red Sox have not been among those teams that have spent like drunken sailors over the last couple of years. Difference is, Boston Red Sox have anything to show for it under Bloom? Have they? I think we know the answer to that. So there's different ways to go about trying to develop a winner, build a winner. And sometimes it just doesn't work. I think each case is unique and different to one another. I mean, the old saying goes, you need players, you need talent. And if you do believe in a system, and if you believe in a philosophy as to how we want to play, and this is how we want to have structure in our organization into the different levels of our minor leagues, however which way you want to slice it, you better be a good judge of talent. Not to go out there necessarily and get the top players, but to get guys that fit your system and the way that you want to go about building a winner. Tampa Bay excels at that. They've perfected it. The Yankees, Yankees are a team, when I look at them, they're almost caught in the middle. You know, on one hand, they want to be one of those smart, analytically driven teams. On the other hand, they want to still compete with the big boys at the at the big spending club and be big players in free agency, but also they want to do things wise as well. Noah Syndergaard was making his first start tonight for the Cleveland Guardians. Remember, he came over in that trade for Ahmed Rosario with the Dodgers. Cleveland actually has a 2-0 lead in the sixth inning in Houston tonight, believe it or not. And the trainers just came out to look at Syndergaard, and they took him out of the game, and he was kind of like limping off the field. So even though he pitched pretty well, again, the injury bug strikes Syndergaard. Unbelievable. 800-919-3776. We'll get more of your phone calls. And I want to get into the Giants. We haven't talked about the Giants yet because while the Jets are getting all the attention, all the coverage, all the hoopla, and deservedly so, you're not hearing a peep out of Giant Camp. Why is that? I got my thoughts. I'll let you know. Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Mercifully, it's over in the Bronx. 5-1 raise the final. Yanks go down. Now four games out of a playoff spot. And if you're trying to sugarcoat and find a glimmer, a positive in this one tonight, well, it's not going to be the offense again. So the new hitting coach, again, yielding to get some dividends. How about 12 more strikeouts tonight for the Mighty Yankees? And they show the graphic on, yes, 
18 strikeouts last night, 12 tonight. So 30 strikeouts over a two-game period that ties a franchise record for the New York Yankees. Ruth, Gehrig, Mantle, DiMaggio, Berra, Jeter, O'Neill, Bernie, Reggie, Nettles, Thurman. This Yankee group whiffed as many times as any that has ever done it over a two-game period. They should be proud of themselves. That is to be commended. So, again, I want to hear the manager after the game. I want to hear about this great approach. I want to hear about the quality of the at-bats, even though we struck out 12 times tonight, even though we only got – oh, by the way, they only got three hits. And aside from the Jake Bowers home run, two hits. And isn't it funny, too, that, again, it's guys like Jake Bowers that they're relying on to produce offense? Jake Bowers. I'm sure that Brian Cashman and his staff of baseball experts, when they mapped out the 2023 season for the Yankees, they were all pounding the table. We got to get Jake Bowers on this team. Forget about Aaron Judge. I'm sure there were people that had Brian Cashman's ear that said, you know what, Brian, you want to go $360 million for Judge? That's your prerogative. But I think we'll be fine with Jake Bowers at a fraction of the cost. What do you think? There you go. Yeah. And, of course, Domingo Herman was great tonight. Five innings of relief, two-hit shutout ball. He really was good. We just need to figure out why the hell he couldn't start the game. Instead, he turned into the bulk guy. As I said earlier, the Yankees now dropped to, what's the record in the division against the AL East? 14-20. and 20. Not going to get it done. So now the Yankees will not play another game before the trade deadline at 6 o'clock tomorrow. And if you were Brian Cashman, if you were Hal Steinbrenner, if you were anybody in authority, Randy Levine, Lon Trost, whoever the hell else they got there, if you were looking at this team right now and have watched them for 100, let's do some quick math, 106 games already this season, what do your eyes tell you about this Yankee team? How ill-fated a pursuit would it be to go out there and actually try to buy no matter what it might be, even if you wanted to buy another Bat Boy, for what? What good would it do for this team? 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Marty in Asbury. He's up next here on 98.7. Marty, how are you? Hey, what's up, bud? How are you doing? Great show tonight. Mark, what's good, buddy? So I wanted to talk about I want to talk about Cashman and the job that he's doing right now. Obviously, it's not a good job. Um, I mean, you see that on an everyday basis. But I also want to say that his position, his job, is easily the hardest job in any sport. Um, being a general manager for the New York Yankees, um, not only do you have to win, you have to win right now. You have to win the regular season. You have to win the postseason, and you also have to build for the future. And by doing that, um, you know, it makes it very difficult. The people in New York would never, ever allow them to become the Houston Astros, to be bad for a decade. Um, the city would literally burn down. Um, I think Cashman um, made some really bad picks. If those, if, if, if he would have bet and they would have hit, it would have been a totally different story, obviously, but they didn't. So I think everything's making it look worse and worse. He's trying to double down. And, you know, sometimes your first loss is your best loss. But the guy's got a really tough job. He's got a – I mean, Marty, look, nobody's disputing that it's a tough job. But guess what? 
you know what? The guy who's got to wake up in about, you know, two hours after my show ends and has to go work in a coal mine or dig ditches, they got a tough job too. But they're not getting $5 million a year to do that tough job like Brian Cashman is. And Brian Cashman's had this job for 25 years. The difference is, is that most cases, if you don't have a track record of ultimately reaching the top of the mountain, some organizations pull the plug on that job and that person doing the job a lot sooner and a lot shorter than the length of time that Brian Cashman's been doing it. And that's why it's not a dispute anymore. The whole championship or bust mantra with the Yankees, that doesn't exist. That's not reality. That is not the world that we are living in right now. It's not and haven't been for quite some time because the Yankees each and every year, you know, they'll win their close to 90 games or more. They'll be in the mix. They'll make the playoffs, but they come up short. Nobody pays with it with their job. And you heard Buster only earlier, and I agree with him. Yankees miss out on the playoffs this year. Who's getting fired? You think Boone's gone? You think Cashman's gone? As soon as those two joined forces back in 2018, and anytime anybody wanted to bring up the possibility of the Yankees moving on from either one of them, I've said it then, and I will keep saying it. They are a package deal. If you get rid of one, you get rid of both, and you start fresh. Because getting rid of one is not going to solve anything. It's like a broken record. It would just be like completing the same process over, over, and over again. So tell me again how it's championship or bust with the Yankees when they haven't won since 2009. Richard in Manhattan is up next. Let's try Richard. Rich, are you there? I'm here, Dan. There he is. Herman may be the new Ramiro Mendoza. You remember the long relief guy? (laughs) He can do something like that. Maybe he's not a good starter, you know? Why not? Well, we'll see. As long as he's effective. If he can come in five or six innings, four or five innings, wherever it is in the game, why not? You know, I don't understand Boone yesterday leaving uh, 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 Severino in. After the fourth batter, we knew he didn't have it. So maybe the fifth batter, you know. But he lets him pitch 80 pitches. 80 you know pitches. Why? Got... why? You know why, Rich, though? I'll tell you the, the simple reason why, because they have a stretch of 13. Well, Boone's already at the podium, by the way. Uh, we'll turn it around for you. Because the Yankees are in a stretch of 13 straight days without a day off, and the bullpen is already completely gassed that – he somehow got through that game last night only using three pitchers, which to me is a miracle. So the fact that, her, or that Severino was able to give him, I forgot how long he went, but he only needed two relievers. So that's almost a win in a weird way. Well, well wait a second, Dan. You conceded the game, though. Well, meanwhile, pitcher gave up seven wait, Dan, let me, in just interu- let me just interrupt. He yeah. conceded the game. How many times does he use a relief pitcher, six pitches, and gets three outs, and then takes them out? Because that's it. His one inning is done. So he overuses guys that are pitching well. But when a guy is lousy, he keeps them in so he doesn't have to put more pitches in the game. It doesn't make sense to me. Anyone can use a few pitches if they're going to concede the game. I mean, that's ridiculous. And then his post, you know, the greatest post-game interview after a game, as you know, is the Tommy Lasorda interview when uh, Dave Kingman hit three home runs after, uh, against the Dodgers, and they asked uh, Lasorda what did he think of Kingman, and he went into that expletive uh, tirade. You know about that, right, Dan? Yes, sir. Of course. Okay. Yesterday's Boone postgame was even better. So Simon is wrong. You've got to keep Boone 
because this guy is more entertaining than any Seinfeld episode. Last night was unbelievable. He is talking to us like we're idiots, and it's so funny because this is what the Yankees want. They don't want someone like Girardi who speaks from the heart or somebody to say Rizzo was terrible. He was 0 for 5. Not Rizzo's got, got to find his rhythm. We don't want to hear that. I mean, this guy, he's, he is such a company man, and he, he just doesn't speak with any, anything from the heart. You know what? I'd rather not hear him talk after the game. I'd rather hear them say, Boone doesn't feel like talking. He's too distraught after the, I To me, that to me is more beneficial and more telling than just coming out and insulting my well, – I, would, I wouldn't even watch that kind of Ma- stuff. Imagine but, if that happened, by the way. And, Rich, i got to hit a break, so, but I thank you for the phone call. You imagine if that happened because we don't see that in baseball. If a manager after a game, no matter who it is, just decided not to talk to the media – because they didn't, you know, they were unhappy with the game, or they're just tired with the way his team is playing, and they just says, "How the hell with it? I'm not going to talk." That'd be fantastic. Speaking of the manager, um, here here was the explanation on on Domingo Herman, uh, why he didn't start. He was cleared in the 5 p.m. hour. This is from Chris Kirshner, who covers the Yankees for the Athletic. Boone uh, Herman was cleared in the 5 p.m. hour. He threw a couple off the mound around 6 p.m. Said it wasn't a consideration to start because of how close it was to game time. I mean, what the hell does that mean? Do you believe, does anybody believe that? Anybody in their right mind? Because I'll tell you what, if and it is nope. true, if it is true, then what the hell are they doing in the Bronx? Like, seriously, what kind of whacked out dudes do they have in charge over there? He was cleared in the 5 p.m. hour. He threw a couple off the mound at 6, but they said it wasn't a consideration to start because of how close it was to game time. Oh, my goodness. What I, I, I don't what so let me get this straight. Let's say a starting pitcher, a normal starting pitcher with no obstacles, no interference, nothing. How soon do they begin their warm up pitches before the game when they go down to the bullpen? Is it ever any earlier than six PM an hour before the game? S- s- something's up. I I mean it, it, they must think that we're fools. They must think that we're as stupid as the way they play baseball sometimes. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. We'll get some more comedy from the Yankee manager when we return. We'll hand it off to Gordon and Larry at the top. Dan Gross's show, ninety-eight seven ESPN. Blah, 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 blah. This is the Dan Grosser show on ninety-eight point seven ESPN. Dan Grosser show. A few more minutes till the top of the hour. Then we we'll hand things off to Gordon and Larry. They'll take you the rest of the night. I'm sure they're going to have all the post-game reaction here from the Yankees. They fell tonight 5-1, to one, three hits, 12 more strikeouts. The 30 strikeouts last two games, that ties a franchise record for the most over a two-game stretch in Yankee history. But again, before we went to the break, we were trying to get to the bottom of the whole Domingo Herman mystery, why he was scheduled to start tonight, then he wasn't going to start, but then he comes into the game in the fifth inning and pitches the last five innings. So what was that all behind Aaron Boone? Can you explain why was he scratched? Yeah, he got cleared with Dr. Ahmad after he saw him in the 5 o'clock hour. And then Domingo still wanted to go out and throw off the mound just to make sure he was good. He actually did that around 6, I think, and threw a couple off the mound, said he was okay to go. So we, we we wanted to have him available in the bullpen in that case, you know, being a little short with length. Uh, again, so was that fair to Johnny Brito? 
So Domingo Herman was pit. He threw some pitches at six o'clock, but that was too close to the start of the game to where Herman wasn't good enough to start the game. But was Johnny Brito pitching up until that point? Didn't you just tap him on the shoulders at what about four o'clock this afternoon and said, "Hey, kid, be ready." Starting last time I checked, starting pitchers don't go out to the bullpen to begin their pregame warmups at three o'clock in the afternoon. Normally they're doing stretches and they're long tossing out in the outfield, and then they go into the bullpen maybe like. I don't know, 45 minutes or, you know, to a half an hour before first pitch. And they do their work in the bullpen. So how would that not have worked if this was, let's see, an hour and 10 minutes before the game? Boone was also asked if Herman starting um, was in play if he was fully healthy. I mean, not once he goes out to throw warm-up pitches at 6.15 to see if he's okay. Like, no, we... Not at that point. We're you know you're getting a starter ready, and then you're so no, that wasn't in play. So wait, so wait a sec. Again, help help me figure this out because you know I must have been absent from school the day they taught logic, right? So he can't start the game, but it's okay for him to come in in the fifth inning. And furthermore, I know you probably tried to get as much length as possible from Brito. But Brito was already getting tattooed in the first three innings of the game to where it was obvious that they were on him. Right? It was obvious that Tampa Bay had this guy figured out already. So if that's the case, Herman couldn't have came in in the third or the fourth inning? That still wasn't enough time to maybe just maybe salvage some of this game? And look, I give Herman credit. He actually pitched pretty well tonight. He did. Was there any other reason, Boone was asked, why Herman didn't start this game? No, yesterday he had the discomfort under his armpit that didn't allow him to do his throwing program. And as the evening went on and some of the things they worked through, strength and stuff, it got better. He felt better today. And then, you know, once we got cleared, then, you know, he's okay. Whatever. I'm, I'm just so sick and tired of the guy. It's, 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 it's comical, it's humorous, but it's also sad. Blah, 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 blah. Somebody's not telling the truth. Somebody's trying to cover for something. And more importantly, somebody's just trying to explain away just horrible baseball, which is what the Yankees are way too, more, too prone to more than anything else these days. That's the issue. And just this mediocre, blasé, just mundane garbage that you're watching on a fairly regular basis from this team. And I, I mean, seriously. Over the next 20 hours or whatever it is, no matter who you're talking to or no matter who the hell is throwing this out there, you really think that buying is an option for this team? There's one guy that they're going to incorporate into this organization that's going to help them become a championship-caliber team in 2023? Who? Who is that? Who's that guy? Enough is enough. But I got a feeling this ain't going away. Got a feeling this ain't going to be the last of it either. I apologize to everybody we didn't get to tonight on the phones. I do. We'll be right back right after TMKS coming up tomorrow at 7. So hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you then. I want you to keep the station tuned to my buddies Gordon and Larry because they are coming up next. They're going to take you the rest of the evening right here on 98.7. I want to thank Joe Leo. I want to thank Harvey Cruz, my pals, for producing the program. Thanks to everybody that called, that tweeted, the whole nine yards. Like I said, back tomorrow at 7. I'm sure all the trade deadline stuff will be a topic of conversation. Gras is saying good night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow, everybody, on 98.7 ESPN. This 
is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.